Welcome to the All Nations Church of Luxembourg podcast. Just we have 
good morning and a warm welcome to this worship service. It's great that you are here on this third of Advent and that we can celebrate this special event together. We want to invite you to stand up and let's together dive into the mystery, into the beauty and the value and the, the treasure that lies in this celebration.
be seated. And grace and peace to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ on this third Sunday of Advent when we are celebrating joy. Uh, hopefully it's a, it's a joyful and a good thing to be gathered here together, especially if you're new, if you're visiting, we're very happy that you're here. If you're visiting on the live stream, which I know uh, perhaps even Paul is doing today uh, because COVID's going around again and, and Paul has COVID along with some others. So he's at home, he's doing well, but is not here with us today. Um, but if you're here, we're really happy that you are. And if, if you would like, uh, you can stop at the back at the table. We have a new thing where you can actually, if you don't have the weekly update, we now have a QR code. You can easily scan that to sign up for the weekly update. You can also give us your information because we would love to connect with you and to help you get involved straight away at church. One of the ways that we're trying to uh, welcome people in, this is really an initiative of uh, outreach here at ANCL, but it's also fun for us, is a carol singing, which is uh, this Friday at 6 p.m. So if, if you're working, that's maybe your last day of work before the break, the school ends that day. The, guy, the idea is to come here soon after for some carol singing and to invite as many people as we can, to invite our, our friends, our colleagues, and others to join us. Uh, we'll sing traditional Christmas carols, and who doesn't like that, but also it's more songs of the season. So there are a lot of these at the back. We ordered 500. Uh, so I would encourage you to take as many as you like, and you can hand these uh, to your friends. And uh, just plan to be here on uh, next Friday at 6 p.m. The Christmas schedule is a little bit different this year because uh, Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve fall on a Sunday. So we will have, instead of doing our usual Christmas Eve service, uh, which is in the late afternoon, early evening, we'll have one service on Christmas Eve here at 11 a.m., but it will be our traditional format uh, of the, the lessons and carols, but it will be at 11 on Sunday. Also on Christmas Eve, we will have, or on New Year's Eve, we will have one service at 11. So both Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve, one service at 11. Uh, there'll be no children's ministry for those. However, they will be live streamed at 11, not at 9.30 as usual. So if you're in town, which it seems to me that many people are, you can plan to be here for that. And just want to give you a heads up for something that will be on the calendar. It's not actually in the too distant future. We're going to have uh, another opportunity for baptism on the 28th of January. Uh, now that our heating works most of the time, we can actually do uh, non-summer baptisms. Uh, so that's the idea. So if you are interested in baptism, as many people expressed here and there, uh, please speak to me or to Paul. There's also a place on Church Center that it's always there where you can register your interest in baptism. So please, one way or another, uh, find a way to express that, and then we'll have a class ahead of that date on the 28th. But Everyone who wants to be baptized or is interested in what that means or exploring that idea, we want you to have the opportunity to do that. As I said, it's the third Sunday of Advent, and uh, in just a moment, the uh, Penzenbach family will be coming to light the third Advent candle.
Isaiah 61 verses 1 to 3. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, and bespit Bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. The third candle we light represents joy. The Israelites waited in expectation that God would keep his promises, that God would restore his people, that the Messiah would come. We too wait with expectation for what God will do in our lives. In our church, in our community, in our world, joy is coming. I invite you to stand up and to sing with us this morning.
the children are leaving for their ministry time, also the youth, and we are going to receive the offering as a part of our worship this morning. of days the everlasting father who is faithful forever and ever we join with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven to call you holy 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 you are god almighty and none is like you we join together and we worship you lord god from whom all good things come thank you that your favor covers us like a shield we give you our praise and call you Jehovah Nissi, the Lord my banner. For you are our victory and you lead us in a triumphal procession in Christ. Thank you for this Advent season with its promise of your salvation and of freedom for the captive and of good news for the oppressed. Give us, we pray, hearts that are open to your acts of grace and mercy in our lives. Take away from us the spirit that fixes on injuries and offences done to us. Help us, we pray, to forgive others as you forgive us. We confess that we often fail to open our hearts to your fullness and ask that you would forgive us and fill us again, pressed down, shaken together and running over with your spirit. We ask that just as your messenger John prepared the way for the coming of our Lord Jesus, so may we prepare his way by acts that work on the hearts of those around us. Thank you for the way in which you have brought us together to serve one another. Lead us to look for opportunities to ease the burdens of others and help us to receive kindnesses with grace. We bring before you the needs of those in this congregation suffering in body and mind, those who are no longer able to do what they wish for and enjoy, those who are facing severe illnesses and living with pain and fear. We pray for them and for those close to them, that they would be strong with your strength, wise with your wisdom and generous with your grace. We bring before you those for whom joy seems far off, 
who are struggling with difficulties in their lives for whom everything seems burdensome. We ask that you would show them that you have ordered their steps and that you are faithful and true. Let us understand that even when relief and healing seem far off, you share in our worst experiences. We pray for those who have been affected by disasters, accidents and violent incidents across the world. We ask that you would strengthen those working to ease suffering and to comfort the afflicted. We pray for those caught up in conflicts in the world, in particular in Gaza and in Ukraine, and we ask that your peace would reign and that your mighty hand would shelter your precious ones. We ask these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Today's scripture reading is from Luke 1, verses 46 to 55. Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. This is the word of the Lord. One of the many great things about the Christmas season is that we get to talk about Mary. We, of course, could and certainly should speak about Mary at other times, but the, the reality is this is the only time of year when we really talk about Mary. And I think we probably know why this is. We think that there are some people who make much too big a deal out of Mary, who elevate her to in a place she doesn't belong. So we, we're like, well, let's, let's not do that. So we go to the other extreme and put Mary like in a little seasonal box. Uh, we let her come out. Um, but, but really, we don't want to talk too much about Mary because we think some people talk about her too much. Uh, obviously, we're talking about Jesus' birth this time of year, so it's, it's unavoidable. But Mary is there throughout the New Testament. She's there throughout the gospel as a part of Jesus' life. She's one of the very few that follows him to the cross it is said by some, and I think there's a lot of truth to this, that Mary was the first disciple, really. And if you think about who in the New Testament is most Christ-like, well, aside from Christ himself, it is perhaps Mary. I also think it's the case that Mary tends to be ignored simply because 
she was a woman. And I don't think there's anything controversial about saying, well, it's, it's usually men who sort of set the, uh, the agenda for, you know, who is it we're gonna talk about? Who gets lifted up? Well, you know, I, I naturally wanna like lift up other people, other men that I, it's more easy for me to identify with these folks. And so it's natural that men look to other men. And of course, the Bible itself has relatively few female figures of note, which is a, itself curious, which frankly, I take less as evidence that God didn't want to offer up women as role models, as examples, as those to imitate, as simply evidence that the Bible reflects the time and place in which it was written. And it is worth noting that the status of women in the New Testament, while perhaps outmoded to modern sensibilities, and your, your, your friends might say, well, you know, the Bible says all these things. Well, be that as it may, the Bible is actually quite revolutionary for its time. And it was biblical for women to be elevated above their position in the wider society. But even if all that's sounding just a wee bit like too feminist for you, um, or maybe you like that, uh, it is worth asking yourself, even if, you, even if you take a very, you know, standard, like more traditional, like men are this and women are this and they don't intersect, it, it is worth asking, why do the scriptures offer so few women to imitate? I mean, if, if women are this and men are this, then, then don't women need more examples? If you're raising daughters, you know, do you, do you just have to look, well, be, be like David, be like uh, Joseph, you know, be like Paul, you know? Like, what about, what, where, where are the women to say, be like, well, Mary, for one, but frankly, there aren't that many. One potential theological challenge that we highlight this year is that when God took on flesh, when God, when the image of God be, became embodied, that God became, well, he became a man. And this can easily make it seem that as if to be male is to be made more in God's image. There's the potential implication that women need to become more like men, but rarely do we say men need to become more like women. And society is saying that in so many ways, and there's a lot of that that's not good, and we might want to resist that. But we, we also might ultimately want to look to the example of Christ and those who follow him for how we should be. So I hope we can encounter Mary as one whose faithfulness inspires all of us, be we men or women, one whom we all need to become more like. And we should probably look to her not just at Christmas. The scriptures tell us that God sent Gabriel to Mary to announce that she would bear a son conceived by the Holy Spirit who would be the son of the Most High, a great king whose kingdom would have no end. Gabriel tells her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And of course, Mary was indeed afraid, as you would be. And not without reason, as it turns out. The scripture gives no explicit indication as to why Mary was chosen. You know, it, it wasn't, it's not said, well, you know, she was exemplary character. She had done all these great things. But it seems safe to infer that she was chosen exactly because God knew that she was faithful, that her faith would reveal itself in her faithfulness to do what he had called her due to this calling upon her life. And having heard Gabriel's announcement, Mary declared, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said.
perhaps hear an echo of Christ saying, not my will, but yours be done. While it's hard to imagine Mary refusing God's calling, and if she had, of course, we wouldn't even know her name, it's worth remembering that the scripture is full of people who ran when God called, who made excuses or hid themselves or disappeared or or just resisted in any way they could think of. We might imagine that if, if by some miracle God came to us with an important mission, well, if God came to me and spoke in an angel, I mean, I'd be, I'd be ready then. That, that'd be helpful. We would, we would humbly respond to such a great honor, we, we assume. God has made Mary special, and we all want to be special. I expect, however, that we might be more like Moses or Gideon or Jonah or some, maybe some others you can think of who are like, no God. I'm not really interested, or can we, can we change the terms of this agreement? Can we do this my way, or just not at all? I like my plans better, is what it comes down to. When God came to Mary, yes, he honored her greatly, but he also calls her into a very different sort of life than the one that she desired for herself. It wasn't like, Mary, I'm here to bless you in all the ways that you wish to be blessed. No, it's Mary... I'm going to bless you. Yes, there is great blessing in this, but, but this is a different life, a hard life. Surely she anticipated that the course of her life would, would be, you know, marriage, then children, and, and all the usual stuff in that order, you know, marriage, children. Didn't work that way for her. God calls her into an unusual life where all these things are sort of disordered. God rendered her, his call rendered her vulnerable to society. It potentially subjected her to humiliation, right? God wasn't making this easy for Mary. And in this passage that Sylvia read, which we often call the Magnificat, Mary rejoices at who God is and what God is doing through her. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord. I mean, imagine being in a place where you could say that. Like, my soul magnifies the Lord. I am overflowing with joy. She delights at being chosen by God. A God who always looks upon his people with mercy and delivers them, who brings about justice and peace. She finds herself directly at God's will for her, directly at the center of God's will for the world. And that's a great place to be, and her heart overflows with praise. That is joy, to be right where you know God wants you to be. It is through her that the kingdom comes on earth as it is in heaven. But there is a cost to all this. Part of what it means for Mary to be at the center of God's will, uh, Simeon will prophesy soon after Jesus is born, is that Mary, a soul will pierce your own heart. Your heart will be pierced, Mary, by what I have called you to. She, She will see her child, a child whom she carry in her womb, whom she nursed, whom she has held and protected, She will also witness that child's death upon the cross. I mean, we should not think of Mary as as just someone who, well, she was just the vessel through which Jesus entered the world, and that was, you know, he needed a door, and that was that. But no, Mary has an ongoing relationship with her son. Conceived by the Holy Spirit, yes, but, but her son. This is a pain any parent shudders to contemplate, witnessing your child die. 
And in that moment, we could understand if perhaps Mary wondered if, if God's plans are really worth the trouble. You know, God, I, I wish you'd ask somebody else because this suffering I cannot bear. But then, of course, that's not where this story of mother and child ends. And if that's where it ended, it would be a sad story. As an aside of sorts, or maybe it's actually the point, we would do well to consider what kind of God it is who would come to us like this. And what does this tell us about the very nature and character of God? That Christians believe that God took on humanity, that God became incarnate, is unlike any claim made before or since. In some ways, that, that is, if you want to, like, what distinguishes Christianity? It's that. God became human. And it lies at the very heart of the faith. But we even further believe that when God came, he did not come triumphant. He did not come saying, I'm awesome, worship me, bow down. He came as one who was humble. And even more than that, he, he entrusted himself to be cared for by us. He was vulnerable as a child. God chooses, and I'm not even sure it's right to call it a choice, but maybe that's the best word we have. God chooses to partner with humanity in our own salvation. God works through people. This is God's way. It's who God is. And sometimes we just want God to do stuff, and it's not to say God can't, of course, but over and over we see God working through others. And so the obvious point, can God use us? God wants to use us. God wants to use you. The obvious rejoinder is, if that's the case, then why doesn't God send us an angel and tell us, you know, what God wants? You know, we want it to be clear and explicit. Maybe that would be nice. Actually, maybe it would be quite frightful. Well, it's safe to say that Mary's case was, in every way, a special one. We might also consider, it's, it's worth pondering, maybe God is calling us and, and we just don't have the ears to hear or we're running away from something we're making excuses. Perhaps that call is coming, and we don't want to hear it. Or perhaps God isn't calling us to a mission because God knows that unlike Mary, we're not the sort of people who will accept. I mean, that, that's a hard thing to think about, but really, maybe God's not calling me to do something because, well, God knows I'm, I'm not up to it. God knows I'm going to refuse. And we do see in the gospel that, you know, Jesus is sometimes limited by the faith of the people, you know, to do great things. The simple but difficult lesson revealed in Mary's life is that to be used by God, to find yourself at the center of God's will, has mostly to do not with your skills or your abilities or your gifts, important as those may be, and not with your experience or achievements, but in the willingness to yield yourself to God's purposes, to submit yourself to God's authority, to lay aside your plans and your life and your desire to die to yourself so that Christ might live in and through you. And for Mary, this call was quite literal, right? Christ lived in and through her. But each of us are so called that Christ might dwell in our lives. 
We often think that serving God means that we need to find something to do. And, and sometimes that's true. Sometimes we're just lazy and you need to get up and like, what do I need to be doing? But it's maybe much closer to the truth to say that we must open ourselves to the possibility of God doing something through us. It's, it's not a grabbing hold, but it's a submitting. Mary's role in God's plan is, in a sense, profoundly passive. She doesn't ask for it. And in, in a way, there's nothing she needs to actively do except receive what God has. And there's a way in which, in, in traditional terms, this is very feminine. But in some way, shape, or form, God desires the same for all of us. And I think it's worth saying that, that maybe this gets to the question, have you ever wondered why there's more women in church than men? This is just a fact, basically anywhere you go. Why are there more women in church than men? Well, men especially find the gospel difficult to accept, exactly because it calls them to what looks kind of feminine. It looks passive. It looks like submission. And, well, we don't like that, most of us. Pride comes more easily than humility. So then the obvious question for all of us, do you actually want to be used by God? I mean, I, you know, I ask myself that question. Do I actually want that? Do you really want to find yourself at the center of God's will for your life, at the center of God's will for the world? And before you give the right answer, you're just probably saying, well, yeah, yeah, I want that, all right? Consider the distinct possibility that this is not actually what you want. You, you might think you, you should want to want that, right? But consider that that's not actually what you want, just as I consider that that's not actually what I want. That you're actually holding on to your life and your plans and your desires in such a way that makes it difficult, maybe even impossible for God to really use you. We often say, and it's true, it's, it's very true, that God can use us anywhere and everywhere we go. This is true. But I wonder if asserting this truth is sometimes a way of essentially telling God that we're going to keep doing what we're doing. And if you want to use me, you're going to have to do it there. Right? God can use me anywhere, which sort of gives me permission to like keep on the same path I'm on and just say, God, well, this, this now, you know, find, find your role in my life. We don't often open ourselves to the possibility that God is calling us into a very different life, kind of life than the one we've envisioned for ourselves. We, we invite God into what we're doing. But to be like Mary, to be like Christ, is to say, God, I yield to your will for my life. And if you find yourself tightly holding on to your plans and, and your desires and your, your resources, your money, all these things, it might be time to let go. And that really... That, that fearful thing might actually be what brings more joy. We simply prefer our plans to God's plans, and that's not news. We prefer our desires to God's desires because we assume wrongly, and this, this really is the heart of the matter, that this will bring us more joy. I think I know better what will bring about the kind of life that I want. It's hard to believe that actually dying to myself and all this stuff is going, is going to be good for me. But Mary's life testifies to the fact that 
However vulnerable it makes you, whatever humiliation it might cause you to suffer, there is no better place to be than at the center of God's will. Right? Her heart rejoices. She magnifies the Lord. And though this will might look different for each of us, this will always involves dying to ourselves so that Christ might live through us. It always looks like that. There's no, I'm going to exalt myself and then get, all, you know, bring the, get the joy too. No, it's always about dying to yourself so that Christ might live through you. And we must also open our eyes to the reality that following God can often bring about great sorrow. I mean, sometimes we, we say, well, if you're following God, if you're in God's will, then everything, you know, joy precludes sorrow. No, it doesn't. It doesn't at all. And in fact, it might bring about a greater sorrow than you'd imagine for all the things that you might have to let go of, the things you might lose, like Mary, the joy of bringing a son into the world only to see him die. Our anguish at times may be an indication, not that we have strayed off course, but that we are exactly where we need to be. But that is never where God leaves us. That's never where God leaves us. Joy gives way to sorrow in Mary's life, and sorrow gives way to joy. Like the pain of of childbirth overcome by the joy of the, the child in your arms, right? By the joy of death overcome by resurrection. Thus it was for Mary, so it shall be for us, and so it shall be forevermore. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you that we know you as one who comes to us, that you are Emmanuel, that you are God with us, that you have taken upon yourself our brokenness, our very human condition. And that we pray that we might be united with you in in the kind of life that you lived, in this humility and the submission to the Father's will that through our own death to ourselves that we might live with you. And we pray that we might look to people who show us what that kind of life looks like. May we see people here in our church, in our community, that show us what it means to be like Jesus. May we look to Mary, who yielded to God's will so that you might do great things through her, and she found great joy. May we find that joy too, we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. We invite you once more to stand up and to sing with us.
indeed want some more joy in your life, uh, leaning in might be good. Uh, I, I would also suggest uh, submitting, yielding yourself. If you're, if you're trying to grab it, if you think you can make it happen, well, it's probably not going to. But if you let God work in your life, in the midst of the sorrow, you will still find joy. That is a promise that is true. Go in that peace. Go in that comfort. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the fellowship of it, be with you now and always. Amen. Go in peace. For listening, for more information, please visit allnationschurch.com.